Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what do I do if I'm hurt by something a church leader says? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both don't do cosplay. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I went on Trek this summer, which is basically Pioneer cosplay. <laughs> I feel like there's a story you want to tell. Yeah, I went on <laughs> Trek this summer. It was great. Which it was, is Pioneer cosplay? <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I've well, never thought about it that way. So we were in the Sierra Nevadas. I went with a stake in California, and we were on like these, I don't know, like state forest roads or were whatever. You a, were you like a pioneer dad? I was not a pa. I was a just <laughs> I was just one of the leaders. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so people were like, what are you doing out here? Because like cars would drive by. And so I'm like, it's pioneer cosplay, which was fun. <laughs> I actually, I didn't go to Trek because yeah. I went to EFY that year. Oh, you can and do both things. I know, but I couldn't. Oh. Not me. But I think it's really weird. <laughs> so I think part of it's because I never had the experience. I'm always just like... I went when I was 18 and I loved it, but I love church stuff. And then I went at 37 and I also loved it. So I go roughly every 18 years on Trek. You know, last year on Pioneer Day, I put up like a story, like a submitted story thing on Instagram. Uh And I asked what the weirdest thing that happened at Trek was. (laughs) I got some really interesting stories. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of like other cosplay things. I dressed up as Voldemort once. Wait, wait, Charlie, you were Cosmo. That's totally cosplay. Oh, that's more like. That's Cosmo play. (laughs) Sorry to be a dad. Maybe we should just like move <laughs> forward. Um, get to the topic. Yeah. Uh, so today, uh, something happened that was tough. It's August 23rd. It's a Monday, 2021. And uh, Elder Holland spoke this morning at uh, University Conference at BYU. And University Conference is, it's just for faculty, staff, and employees at BYU. So I was there. I was actually in the third row, but like way up on the right. So I actually like looked at Elder Holland as he was talking, like actual him, not the screen, because it was easier to see him than the screen because I was so close to the front. So I experienced this in real time. And uh, he said some things about uh, the LGBTQ community that had been hard for some people, uh, myself included. It's actually been a, a really tough day. We're not going to talk about the substance of his talk or anything he said, but just, you know, our reactions to it and how it made us feel and, you know, what we can do when people are in pain. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about this podcast, something I'm really grateful for, is the ability to show, like, our thought process in real time, or at least in, like, pretty close to real time. And uh, a couple hours ago when I heard about this, I uh, one of my friends texted me to, like, check in and see if I was okay. And I was like, yes. Like, about what? <laughs> like, what I'm fine. And then... Um, He's like, oh, do you not know? And sent me an article about it. And I read it and I was really, really upset. And I called Ben and we were just like, we, we had a different episode that we were planning on, planning on releasing tomorrow morning. And we were just like processing and we're like, this is... That doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't feel right. And one, one of our questions, like the question of today that we're covering right now is banked for the future. We just figured is, there's probably not a better time than when you're actually processing through the thick of this. So, yeah. How should we dive in? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, it was interesting. So I, I was there, and as he was talking, I really wasn't feeling anything. I was just kind of numb to it. Like when church leaders bring up LGBTQ stuff, I just feel kind of numb. You just like have to check out. Uh-huh. And so as we were, and I, but I immediately got text messages like in the meeting from people like thinking of you, how are you feeling? Uh, and then when I, when I walked out and was like in the lobby area, um, uh, a coworker friend of mine uh, was like in tears and came over and hugged me and told me she loved me. And like, like, are you doing okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I really am fine. And then as I was walking back uh, across campus, I was like, okay, so what was actually said? Like, like what did what did you say? And I was like, actually, like, taking some time to, to think about it and digest it. And then my phone was buzzing all day. And I got messages from people all day long, like people checking in on me to see how I'm doing. Um, and friends just saying what a tough day they were having. And actually, can I just share one of those? Yeah, please. Uh, This is from a good friend of mine who's at BYU-Idaho. And uh, he said, it hurts. It makes me really just hate this place. I try so hard to make the absolute best of it. I can't wait to graduate. And that just like stung me because I I don't blame him for those feelings. And, you know, I've never been to BYU-Idaho, but but I got similar messages from people at BYU who are just like, I hate this place. I want to get out of here. Yeah. And, um, that day, uh, or today a student came to my office to, to chat and he was like wondering like, you know, how can I make it work at BYU? And, and my thought in my head was, and I didn't say this, I was like, go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure this is the right place for you. Yeah. And, and, and it hurt, it, it hurt to feel like, um, this might not be the right place for everybody. And I wondered like, is this the right place for me? Like, do I belong here? I wondered the same thing. I My first reaction was the thought, I don't have to do this. Like, I could leave. I could go somewhere else. I could remove myself from this whole situation and stop feeling like I was taking arrows to the back all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could transfer to pretty much any school. And... It's not like Harvard, though. Why not? I don't know. I mean... Do you have the grades? Yeah, I do. I mean, you could go to Harvard. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, no, I'm blushing. Um, but but I was like, why why would I subject myself to this? And then I, I don't know. My, my It's hard to like say what about it hurt or what was your reaction? Because I just felt so ping ponged around mm-hmm. so completely, so simultaneously, like a million simultaneous thoughts and reactions and emotions I guess really every time this happens, I think I'm almost like I should see this coming because it happens frequently and pretty consistently. Like every few months or so, there's something that just like feels like the rug was pulled beneath me and it just hurts. Mm -hmm. But somehow I'm always surprised by it. Did you feel dumb or like foolish? Yeah. That's how I felt too. I was like, I started to wonder, like, am I, am I just like stupid for thinking that like this is the place for me? Yeah, I was like, am I kidding myself? Yeah. Am I brainwashed? Am I like, like, what is happening? Is this like here? Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> oh gosh, I and it's it's so weird, you know, to to like feel like you're really on a good path and that you're making changes and that you're belonging to something and that you feel part of something bigger than yourself, and then to just like have it crumble. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the first thing I did once I, I mean, I, I read some stuff and then I called you Ben and, and I didn't answer. <laughs> he didn't answer. And I was like, that makes sense. And then you called me back 
probably like less than 10 minutes later, which I was grateful for because I was trying to figure out how I felt and work through different emotions. And you were really upset. Mm-hmm. Probably the most upset I've ever seen you. Yeah, I was pretty upset. I mean, all day long, I was just getting messages of like hurt and pain. Yeah. And, and also like, I had like work to do today. Like I was busy. <laughs> and then I was also like getting these messages nonstop. And it was just overwhelming. Like I was just emotionally exhausted by the end of the day. So when, when we talked, I was like spent. Like yeah. I, I had no more emotional energy to give. Yeah. And, and I think that it was weird because I, and, and I hope this doesn't sound bad, but usually when I talk to you, it kind of like lifts me up. But I was like, mm, well, we're both down, you know, mm-hmm. usually at least one of us is like feeling pretty good and kind of like offer peace or something. But I was like, this really is as horrible as it feels right now. Ben, what is it like to have this place that you love so much and have invested so much of yourself into and then feel like it doesn't have a place for you or, or want you? Yeah, it, it really it really sucks. Like it's, it's really painful. Like I remember just today, just wondering, like, I don't even know what to say. Um, there are just like a handful of places in this world that feel like home to me. And BYU is one of those places. Like campus feels like home to me. And today it didn't feel like home. Like today it felt like a place that I wasn't sure I could stay. And you know, I know that some people at BYU do care about me and, and this is going to sound so silly. Like today I just kind of wanted to go to Sacramento. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I talked about Trek and those people I, I met on Trek and, um, one of the people who brought me out, her, her name is Jen and we had to take a lunch on our first day. And when I opened up my, she made my lunch for me. When I opened it up, she had written me a note just saying like, thank you for coming, even though you didn't know if we were weirdos. And, um, just like, how quickly people became my family there and you know all the kids on trek called me uncle ben and seriously more than a dozen people told me that i have to come visit and offered me a place to stay when i came back i just like know so many people who you know when they leave byu they never want to come back and like like that text i shared like he's like my friend was like i want to graduate and get out of this place i hate it here I've noticed that when you talk about painful experiences, you don't sit there very long. You pop to a really good experience and say, I wish it would have been like that. Mm-hmm. But tell me what it was actually like. And I think that's just my nature. I think I'm just an optimist. I'm a glass half full kind of person. Um, I don't like to be sad. Yeah. I don't like to be in pain. Um, and so I don't linger there for long. Um, but what it's like for me is just feeling... Like the only way I'm ever going to belong here is if I'm straight and, and remembering like, like years, like years of my life where I tried to do that and couldn't. And then as I came to like accept myself through experience with, with the spirit and like feel like, 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 like learn to love that I'm gay and like all those spiritual experiences. And then today that felt invalidated. Like it felt like all that work I'd done didn't matter. And that's hard. Like that's a painful place to be. And so I don't want to linger there. You know, I don't want to stay in this place where I wonder, like, have I been wrong this whole time? 
um, like were those spiritual experiences wrong? Because when you start questioning those, like those super powerful moments, you know, then what else do you have? It all just kind of crumbles. And, you know, when when I go back to those spiritual experiences, you know, they, they were real. And so then I have to deal with, okay, what, what is real? Like this thing I had or this thing I'm being told. And is there like, are they both wrong? Are they both right? Is there a way they work together? And then trying to just kind of piece things together that don't seem to fit. So it feels like you have to change a part of your core identity that you care about in order to find fit with this place that you care about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how is it to live in that juxtaposition? Um, you know, usually, usually it doesn't matter. Like usually I don't feel that way. Usually I feel, I feel like I belong at BYU as a gay person. Um, in fact, I, I feel like I belong there more than most places in the world because I can be like, I'm gay and that's fine there. And I can say, I'm a Larry Saint and that's cool there too. And I feel like this is the one place where I can like be both things. Is that true though? Like that is the one place? No, I'm exaggerating. No, I mean, is it true that you can actually be gay? Because you just said you feel like you can only fit in if you're straight. And I said, I feel like that most of the time, but then there are these times like today where I felt like I'm not going to belong if I'm not straight. And it makes you wonder if you're just lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me wonder like all these kids I talk to, would I be better off to just tell them go somewhere else? And I, and I hate feeling like these people I care about might be better off somewhere else. And I, and I hate that today I felt like that too. Do you feel like that, Charlie? Like you have to be straight to fit in or to belong? I feel like I have to be a watered down version of myself sometimes. It's, it, I think it's just so hard because being gay is the only identity that is associated with sin. Because mm-hmm. the rest of them isn't a sin. And so, you know, there, there can be, and, and I don't like putting identities against each other. You know, and saying like, because you can't, they're all different, but, but it's, it just seems like there can be measures taken to increase belonging and acceptance for every other person in the church on my campus, except for me, Mm -hmm. because mine is directly proportional to what I do with who I am and how I present. And, and, and being like too gay is immoral. And how do you win there? Like, how is there ever a real place of acceptance when who you are is ultimately viewed as sin? Yeah. Even if people say it's not like, even if, oh, it's okay if you're gay as long as you don't act on it or whatever. Like, it it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, an element of who you are is viewed as sin and is viewed as a slippery slope and is viewed as dangerous. Mm -hmm. So how do you ever win? Yeah. Um, what, as you're talking, I just remembered a story that happened to me recently. So I, I've shared the story before of, you know, someone in one of my wards saying um, that I shouldn't be talking about my perversions at church and then then talked at me for quite a while and how I just felt like I, I didn't want to go back um, to church again. I remember walking, I, I walked down the hallway and was like, I'm not coming back. I don't want to come back here next week. And as I pushed open the doors, like the spirit said to me, like, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that was hard. Um, I didn't see that guy for like two years. And I saw him at church recently. He had moved away and was back visiting. And so he came up to me and was talking to me after, like like at the linger longer. And I was like, Ben, so good to see you. What's up? And I like felt myself tense. 
Yeah. And I was like, and in my head, I was like, have I forgiven him for what happened? Um, and then he said, so what have you been up to? And I was like, well, I have it. I work at BYU now. And I told him, and I was like, what would I normally say to someone? And I was like, I would tell him I have a book and a podcast. But then I realized what I felt wasn't that I hadn't forgiven him, but was fear of what he was going to say. Yeah. And so, uh, but I was like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. So I said, I have got this podcast I love. I have a book that just came out. And he said, what, what's the book about? And I was like, um, it's about my experiences as a gay member of the church. It's called A Walk in My Shoes, questions I'm often asked as, as a gay Larry Saint. And uh, and I realized that the, the feeling I felt was fear because I was afraid of what he was going to say to me. And it's hard to live in a world where I'm afraid that when I say the things I'm excited about, people are going to say mean things to me. That's kind of how I always feel. You can never truly be at peace. So right after I got this news and talked to you, I had to go to a testimony meeting with the spirit squad. So like the cheerleaders and the cougarettes and the dunk team every year, I'll go to the top of the stadium and they have like this hour and a half spiritual testimony meeting. And, and a lot of it ends up being like talking about finding their place at BYU and like how much they love the school and representing the school. And I've, I I did Cosmo for four years and this is my second year of cheer. I've been to this meeting six times and I look forward to it so much every year. Um, We sit at the top of the stadium and look out, you can see the temple and the mountains, like all the way from Timpanogos, like the whole mountain range, all the way down to the South. That sounds beautiful. And you see Y mountain and the bell tower and campus and the MTC, like it's just so pretty and so spiritual and sacred. And I was like, I do not want to go. I do not want to go sit with a bunch of people talking about how great it is to be at BYU right now. I was like, there could be nothing worse. It, it came at such a bad time. I went and um, it was, it was weird because my teammates are kind of like a second family in a way. I spend a lot of time with them and it's like a, a really good group of people I like and care about. And I went up there and they were all happy and excited and, um, talking and they were all excited to be there and chatting and laughing and texting people and taking pictures. And I sat in the, like the back corner and I, it was just like the most exquisite isolation to feel so alone. And I just had the world ripped out from under my feet and they hadn't and didn't even know that anything had changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just so strange. Like I wanted to shut down and shut everyone off and, And I kind of did. I mean, I just sat there and I mean, the testimony meeting went on. It's the only time I didn't share anything. I was just felt so singular and it was weird to, to feel that way in a sea of people I loved. Yeah. To be alone with people. Yeah. Um, you use this really graphic imagery of like having the world pull out from under you. Yeah. Like why such a violent image? It's a little bit strange because all things considered, this wasn't something new for me. I mean, it's happened, like I said, a, a lot of times where a church leader will say something that is painful for me or that I don't understand. And every time it 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 rocks me because church has always been the place that I go to to find peace. And it's still really shocking to me when the leaders I look to to help connect me to Christ and find peace say things that have the inverse effect. Mm -hmm. 
and and I think more than anything, it just shed light on on this deeper rooted issue of is there a place for me in the church? Like, is this something I can do? Because I, I mean, it's this these comments, you know, and 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 for me, it's really not even the comments or the words that that tear me apart or or make me feel alone or frustrated. It's this idea of like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do you honestly expect me to do? And then I just hit this wall of like my options. And it, so it's like the, the prescribed option is to stay single and be celibate and go to the temple every week and move through life and then end up in heaven only to not be able to receive exaltation as taught by the church. So I'm like, why? What like, it is if that's the prescription, it's not solving the problem. And we've talked about that before, but I just can't get over like if really the way to eternal life and exaltation is through temple marriage, I cannot have that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not a, that's not for me. So what's the point? Yeah. And I think if, if I were to like to build off of that, like some of the pain like, like I was personally feeling is just feeling unseen and misunderstood. Totally. Like just I, I don't I didn't feel like like I was addressed like, yeah. the, like, like me as someone who's like active in the church and trying to make it work, I just didn't really feel addressed or, or known. Yeah. Or, un- or understood. I guess I was addressed because, you know, like love mm-hmm. was expressed and all that. But well, and that's kind of what I was trying to say. Cause, cause there's that option and the other option to, to marry a woman, like that's not going to work for me. I know it and I don't want that. And I would feel like I was living a lie and I'm not going to do that. And then the other option was to be a, to get married to a man and then put my church membership in jeopardy. And so I'm just like, how do you, how can my leaders not see me? You know, like, like how can this be an issue? How is it talked about as if it's an issue when it's my life, when it's my salvation? And I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but it it feels so painful that I feel like nobody understands uh-huh. because they talk about it as if it's so like, well, this and this, and this is okay, but this not. And I'm like, do you know, does anybody know what this feels like? Yeah. And, and then, you know, our, our lives are kind of talked about as if we have an agenda. Exactly. We're like now we're just living and talking and sharing and, and trying to figure it out, like mm-hmm. earnestly trying to figure this out. <sighs> So that's why I felt like the world was ripped under me. (laughs) (laughs) A good long rambly answer. Yeah. Um, So we were both pretty upset when we first talked on the phone today. What got you to a place where you're not feeling upset right now? A lot of it was just time. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I didn't settle on any decisions until I had thought through and kind of like put myself in different physical spaces and, you know, just taking time to, to work things through. But honestly... A lot of it for me was um, going back to things I know and receiving messages from people. One of the first ones was my coach, and she sent me the most beautiful, well-timed text as I was walking up the stairs, dreading this testimony meeting that I didn't want to go to. And she just like expressed this beautiful love for me. And, and how much I was wanted and needed on the team and how important I was for her. And it only probably took 40 seconds to type out or less because she's a very fast texter. <laughs> but the, Quick the, fingers. the thought and the meaning behind it was really powerful. And it came at a really good time. And, and like I said earlier, she didn't make it 
a topic. It wasn't an issue to her. This was Charlie. Mm-hmm. And this was, hey, I recognize that things happen today that probably make you feel different and hurt. Yeah. And then she sent that and it was coming like right at the time when I was watching all my friends excitedly talk and chat and giggle and feeling just like horribly outside and her doing that and extending herself in that way brought me in. Yeah. And what was hard for me today was, you know, a lot of people texting me like, Hey, what do you think about this? And I was struggling personally. I'm like, I didn't want to have a discussion about that, let alone via text or like messenger. Um, and so I just said some things or just like, I don't really want to talk about this right now. Um, and then a lot of people asked me like, how are you doing like through text? And like, that was very kind, but, but it puts weight on us. Yeah. For, for me, like, like a text, like, how are you doing? Isn't super great. Cause I, I like need people, not like words on a screen. Um, but, uh, after, uh, work, after we talked on the phone, cause we talked about like, as I was leaving work, I went to the gym cause I go to the gym zero to four times a week. Cause everyone knows, <laughs> um, I, I called a friend while I was there and I just kind of like talked through how I was feeling and like what I wanted to do about it. And I realized that when someone's in pain, when I'm in pain, I just like want to fix something, but this is like way out of like, there's nothing to fix here. Like I can't fix this. And like, like what it would even fixing it look like. And what happened was, um, I was just like talking through how I was feeling and saying some options of the things like, well, we are actually like talking through this podcast episode and what I wanted to talk about. And so I said, well, what if I talk about this? Or what if I talk about this? Or what if I talk about this? And he gave me, gave me some feedback. And when we got off the phone, um, I felt great. Uh, but the, one of the last things he said was, you know, he gave me his opinion on, on what I, on like how I could address this. And then he said, but whatever you choose, I trust you and I love you. And I think that was what did it in the, uh, for me, just this, just this, whatever you choose, I trust you and I love you. Uh, and then as I was leaving the gym, uh, I got an email from, uh, a, a woman I met on Trek. So that this, uh, these two families, um, uh, invited me to, to go on Trek and, and I stayed at, at both their houses during that weekend. And, uh, the grandma, you went on Trek and you stayed in a house. <laughs> we, well, I got there one night. I stayed oh, in the house. That was not a real Trek camp for two nights and then stayed in the house before I left. We have, we have to re-record the whole intro to it this was, podcast. Charlie, it was four <laughs> nights, two in the woods, two at houses. <laughs> Half truck. Anyway, uh, so the grandma of this family I stayed with, who, who lives, in, lives in the house, she let me use her room. And she just sent me this beautiful message today. She said, Ben, I have been wanting to send you this email for over a month. And uh, I find need to just do it so it stops rattling around in my head. And she probably has no idea what happened today. Uh, but she just like sent me this message of like love and kindness. Um, and she told me, she, she said, your family, if you ever need a place to live, you can live here. And the, the best part for me about, about going on Trek was I didn't, I'd never met a single person there. Like I didn't know anyone before I got there. And by the time I left, they were my family and I didn't expect that. And to know that they care about me and, and I'm significant to them. Like, like that just meant the world to me that, that random message today. And so um, th- this happens to me all the time when I'm having a tough day. Like someone who doesn't even know I'll be struggling just like reaches out and tells me that they love me. It's not how are you doing, but I love you and this is what you mean to me. You know, it was interesting as I was sitting at that testimony meeting and like trying to be hardened and just hearing people's testimonies. I was like, would you stop being so faithful? Like this is so <laughs> annoying. Like I'm trying to grieve over here. And but it in the way of the spirit, a lot of things that were said and shared were for me as far as um, trusting in God and trusting in God's timing 
and people testifying that they know that God cares about what they care about and me feeling that God cares about what I care about. And I think so much for me as we're talking this through of the pain comes from feeling helpless. Mm -hmm. It comes from feeling pulled around and yanked in different directions and feeling like I don't have very much control over what might happen to me yeah. and feeling like I have faith and I'm moving towards a direction. And then it's just like door immediately closes and it makes me question things. It like today when I was, I, you know, I wasn't even on that thought for very long, but I was like, am I going to have to transfer schools? I was like, what does that mean about this experience I had two years ago where I felt so strongly that I needed to come back here and cancel all my other graduate degree applications? Like, what does that mean? And I just felt helpless. I was like, is there no, I just disempowered, I guess, like, like I was powerless and it didn't matter what I did or what I said or what I believed or how hard I tried that there was nothing that would ever matter yeah. for me. And, and I felt hopeless in the same way. Um, not hopeless. Sorry. I felt helpless in the same way. And just like, you know, multiple dear friends messaged me and they were like, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't. And what do you say? Yeah. I'm like. Like, yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're fine. It'll be great. Like, yeah. And like, I, I don't know what to do in those moments. I just like, I feel you. You know, I get it. I'm I'm sorry. And, um, and honestly, like, I wish I could have been stronger for them right then, but I just didn't have the energy to do it. But that's not fair. Like, you can't put that on yourself. Well, I know. I know it's not like my fault, but I just, it's... But, but I like, I wish I could be stronger. Um, because when someone's in, I mean, I mean like these friends who were like messaging me in pain, like I, I want to call them and like be there for them. But like, I just like right then I couldn't. Yeah. And, um, and, and that just, that's just hard. And I, I just hate that my, my friends are in pain. And like, now that, now that we're talking about, like, I kind of wish I'd like sent them messages of, of like love and kindness, but like, I just didn't have it in me right then. Yeah. And I, this is kind of scattered and I've, feel like that's probably pretty representative of of our feelings of our feelings right now because i feel like we're like making half points and circling around but as you said that i was thinking like part of me hurts that it has to be so grassroots that like helping people feel loved and belonged is an institutional like like that hurts mm -hmm. that that it has to be friends and family and it can't be my church my school Mm -hmm. That's hard. As as I was laying out on the grass in despair, uh, one of the thoughts that came to me is, this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if this is the Church of Jesus Christ, then he loves me. If this is the Church of, of Latter-day Saints, you know, the Latter-day Saints in my life, they love me too. And when I think about like the boots on the ground, the people who are actually like there in my life, they they do love me and care about me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I wish that I, I felt that more strongly um, from like institutional messages. Um, but I, I feel that from, I do feel that from like the, the people who are actually in my life, like my, my family and my friends, my friends who are family. Yeah. It, it's hard for me when something I love like pushes back against me. And, but like you were saying, you said you wish you could be more, be stronger for these other people that, that also hurts too. Cause it's like, I don't want to give people false hope and, and feeling like they can be okay if they decide to go to BYU 
or go to church or get baptized Mm -hmm. because for a lot of people, that's not the case, you know, like, and I was thinking about that today when I was like, this happened and I called Ben and then I got this text from my coach and then more texts from other people and I had a place to go. But what about the people who don't have a place to go? What are the people who aren't even out yet? Which are so many. Like, who do they go to for peace? Where do they turn? Where is their community? Where is their belonging? Where is their lifted spirit? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, this is a story I've shared before, but, you know, there, there was this time when I, when I went to church and I was like in my 30s in Tucson and just really struggling and, and something happened in church that was like really painful. And I was about ready to just storm out of there. And, um, and then one of my friends who was the primary president knows that I wasn't doing okay. And she just like invited me to go to primary with her. And as I, as I sat in primary for two hours and sang primary songs, it was like the broken parts of me were mended. And I remember walking out of the church, not talking to anyone because I just didn't have the energy to talk. But like, I, I walked out like feeling better and like knowing that I would come back the next week. And I remember sharing this with a friend once and I was like worried so much about like people who were struggling. And I said, who's going to invite them to primary metaphorically? Like who's going to make sure that they're okay and in a spiritual place. So the, the same friend who I was like sharing this experience with uh, a while ago, um, he was, I was telling him about this podcast we were going to record tonight. And he said, he said, um, Ben, there are a couple things I remember from what you've said to me before that primary songs have healed you being and being in the temple has healed you. And so after he texted me that I, I was going to a friend's house tonight and I just put on some primary songs and sang along as I drove down the freeway. And I just started crying just because I felt like the goodness of those simple messages. And, um, and it was nice that I had a friend who knew me well enough to tell me what I like to know, to know me enough to say like what he knew had helped me in the past. And then it helped me again today. And so I think, you know, when someone's feeling pain, um, we can go to people who, who know us and who know what's helped us in the past so that we can have those same things now. That's pretty. And I wish it happened more and I wish it didn't have to happen as much. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me wonder if it's always going to be this way. Mm -hmm. Like if me being here is always going to be inseparably connected with pain and if my identity is always going to put me at odds with my religion and my community. And what if it does? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess just keep moving forward and assessing how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. But it just, I don't know, like, like it has, that's how it's been up till now. Charlie, what I'm hearing you say is you're not sure you can do this anymore. Or at least you were feeling like you couldn't do it anymore. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that gay people feel like that. And it, it's it's funny because sometimes I feel like I'm met with this idea of why is it such a big deal? Like nobody cares that you're gay. Like quit making your identity something huge. Quit telling us. And I feel like identities matter when they affect the way that you're viewed and treated. And this identity of mine within this system, within the gospel, affects my opportunities and the way other people view me, the way I've historically viewed myself. It affects how policies interact with my membership. It affects so many aspects of my religious experience. And that's the only reason it's a big deal. Like that's it. And I think about my family to them. Like I'm not gay, Charlie. I'm not gay brother. I'm just me, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's not a big deal. Like it's just, it just is. 
but it only becomes a big deal when it when it is set up against something that that others me and puts me in a different space and and I think that's where the issue lies. I care about this so much. I I care about the gospel. I care about BYU. I care about my church community so much. And that's why I have so many deep feelings when things like this happen. Mm -hmm. It hurts because you care so much. It hurts because I care. Yeah. And it's a big deal because it is. Yeah. And I I had similar feelings today. Like, can I keep moving forward? You know, can I stay here and you know it, and it's really hard to have those moments and, and not just moments but like hours today and then you know it, it for me at least it, it's a passing feeling and you know i don't i don't feel that way anymore but the, those were real feelings that i felt today you were asking me what brought me out of it and i mentioned messages from people and i mentioned hearing other people's testimonies but something that just kept coming back to me is this idea of of remembering how much God loves me. And again, that's so, it's so cliche and maybe a little bit worn out, mm-hmm. especially when there's yes, the love that, of God is worn out. No, like the way we talk <laughs> about it, you know what I mean? To, to say God loves you and to feel God loves you are, it doesn't match. Like those words could never like someone just says it as a platitude and it's right. like sometimes feel right. One of the texts I got today said, um, someone really important to me said, be calm and remember how much God loves you. You know him and he knows you and I love you too. And I was like, God knows me. Like God cares about what I care about. God sees me in this. Christ understands this pain. And it's, I don't know. I feel like it's hard because every time I feel like I'm expected to sacrifice and give more grace than anyone should ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) have to give. You have to be the bigger person a lot. I always have to be the bigger person. But then I'm like, isn't that making me more like the savior? Because Christ gave more grace than could ever even be imagined. And so I guess I just kind of feel like I'm in good company if I feel like I'm hurting and I'm required to give grace and forgiveness in the midst of my pain. And, and it's interesting, the people who reach out, someone who reached out to me is someone who um, is very much out of the church, uh, but still like a good friend of mine. He just called me. It's like, Ben, how you doing? Just like chatted with me. You know, wasn't He didn't want to know what I thought about anything, didn't want to know... Uh, didn't, didn't want to like be mad. I uh, just wanted to see how I was doing. Just like express sincere love for me. That's cool. I don't know. It, it, at the end of the day, I, again, just feel like this devastation swirled with hopefulness, a desire to continue to seek good. Mm-hmm. That's really all I can answer to right now. It, it's hard. Like I, I think it's really good that we didn't go through and address each individual sentence that's ever been said by a church leader that's hurt us. Like, but that's hard not to do. Cause I could, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to just be like, you know what? I'm going to move forward. <laughs> but I feel like it's making me grow, even though it's so uncomfortable <laughs> and you know, you don't want to excuse things, but you don't want to, I don't know. Yeah. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as we were both talking about feeling powerless, you know, my, my favorite scripture is Doctrine and Covenants 123, verse 17. And it says, Therefore, dearly beloved brethren and sistren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see, to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. Ben, I love that you said that because something I wrote in my notes, I said, 
where is God in all of this? I mean, that calls back to, you were saying like, what was hard about this? What felt like the rug was pulled underneath? I was like, where are you, God? Who's wrong? Who's right? But but more than anything, like, where's the answers? Why do you just let us struggle here? And And that's a beautiful scripture, like, do what's in my power cheerfully when I feel powerless and trust that that God will show up in it and that his arm will be revealed and that he will bring answers and peace and healing that, that we can't think of ourselves. Yeah. And you know, oh, what I like about that scripture is it reminds me like, it's not my job to fix the world. You know, it's not my job to be the savior. Like we already have one of those. It's not my job to mend hearts and, and, you know, heal the broken pieces and someone like that's, that's what Jesus is for. Um, but, but, it, but it is my job to, to cheerfully do my very best. And that is something that I can do. And that doesn't mean that like hard things don't happen and, and tough things don't happen, but, but I can do that. And then God's arm is revealed. And, and today God's arm was revealed in a phone call with a friend and, you know, an email from a grandma in Sacramento, California. And a text from a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when, when, when someone's in pain or when we're in pain, you know, it's, it's most often through people that we love that, that God reaches out and we see his arm revealed. So I do actually want to say, like mention one thing Elder Holland said in his talk today. Okay. He said, we do all look forward to the day when we can beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. And at least on this subject, learn war no more. So I, I really appreciate that. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but you know, I want to make sure that my work is taking swords and turning them into plowshares. Like I want to take things that, that are used to, to cut and hurt and then make something that's going to grow something beautiful out of them. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I especially like that imagery because it also tells the effort that it will take, you know, cause that take would take like reforging and creating a new tool and then using the tool on the earth and then planting a seed and then waiting for it to grow yeah. until we can have something beautiful. And having a sword and then cutting with it is easy, but this work of of beating a sword into a plowshare, that's going to take some hard work. That's hard. And, you know, that's the work that I hope that people are feeling called to do. Yeah, me too. So if you could give advice to a person who's struggling with a hurtful thing a church leader has said that's hurting them, and then advice to someone who wants to support that person, what would it be? Yeah. So advice to someone who's feeling pain, I would say, feel your feelings. Like, don't feel like you shouldn't feel those. You know, feelings aren't good or bad. They're just information. And so if you're feeling pain, something happened that hurt you. And that's okay. You know, allow yourself to to, to feel hurt. Um, and then I would say, you know, do what you need to do to connect with God. Like, however you connect with the divine, um, do that. You know, for me today, it was talking with people and listening to sacred music that helped me connect with God. Yeah, I echo that. And I, and I think I'll, I'll add as far as decision-making goes, I'm really grateful for the times even today when I stopped and didn't make decisions out of reaction and just kind of waited until further anything came along. And then I was much more capable of sifting through my feelings and, and working it out and figure out what I actually want to do. Yeah. And you actually told me, to, you would advise me today to wait a day to make it a, a specific decision. Uh-huh. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal, but. Are you waiting though? Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> I think I'm not going to do the thing I was going to do. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Gosh, I give such good advice. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I, I was reacting from an emotional place. And now that I like that, I was like, eh, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm well, I think that's just in general. Like before you make a snap decision, like if it's coming from an emotional or like secondary emotion place, especially just wait it out and, and mm-hmm. see if it's still something you want to do after you sleep on it. If it's a good idea now, it'll be a good idea tomorrow. Um, and what I would say for someone to someone who is has someone who's hurting, you know, just feel free to just like sit with them in their pain. Like that's what people did for me today. Like multiple people just like, let me be in pain. And sometimes people were like, it's going to be okay. And like, that wasn't helpful. Yeah. I just needed someone to just like be with me in my pain today. Um, so just be with people in their pain is what I would say. And then tell them what, what they mean to you. It's like express your gratitude that they're in your life. Yeah. It, it takes a keen eye. You know, it, it takes you being mindful of how they might be impacted. And, but when that thought comes, like I keep thinking about my coach, like she was at, I assume that she was at this meeting and she was like, you know, I bet this would impact my athlete uh-huh. and this person I care about. And then she, she reached out, you know, so, so there, there's that element. But then also I keep thinking about like, when we make this about an issue, it gets so sticky and tricky and divisive immediately. Because when it comes to an issue, everyone has a different opinion. They have different past experience that have formed that opinion. They have different approaches and ideas and methodologies for how to solve an issue. It gets very political and and it just gets very us versus them. He said, he said, she said, they said. <laughs> and we said, <laughs> we said. But when you make it about the person, you don't get wrapped up in issue. You get wrapped up in a person. You get wrapped up in another child of God. And you have an opportunity to share humanity and learn a story and be mindful of somebody else's hurt and and hug them and be there for them. Yeah. And that's really where it's at for me. And when we really know someone, we, we know like what they need. And I remember you saying, telling a story once, like you love hiking waterfalls and your brother like took you to a waterfall one day when you were struggling. Yeah. When I was in a very similar situation during general conference, I had some of these same feelings and I was like depressed and wondering. Anyway, I won't get into the, that time was much worse than this time for me. And I was just like laying there in my bed and my brother just like l- like physically lifted me up and like carried me to the car and took me to a waterfall and that's what i needed and we didn't even really talk he just like facilitated a hike you know yeah and and like people who know me have done the same thing like like i remember one time uh i can't remember what was going on but you like cleaned my room for me and that was like if someone wants to show me love clean my room clean my bathroom no one did that today so you you're welcome to come over tomorrow i'm not going to do that today i <laughs> <laughs> it really needs it. Uh, but but I would say, you know, the person you love, what do they need? And, you know, show show them show them their love language. Clean metaphorically clean their bedroom or take them to a waterfall. Yeah. Ben, I'm sorry today was hard for you. Yeah. I'm sorry today was hard for you too, Charlie. And I'm glad we had each other and I'm sorry that I wasn't the strong one today. No, I'm glad I could be for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram or Facebook at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. As always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. 
We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard two perspectives today, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.